0: Hi, everyone. It's Dina McKay, and I'm back with a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged, the podcast that allows Blacks in tech to share their authentic stories with you, the listener. On each episode, the guest talks about how they got into tech, their work in the industry, and lessons they've learned during their journey. You can find full show notes for this episode on blacktechunplugged.com. On this episode, I have Dr. Anne-Marie Imafidon. She is a keynote speaker, presenter, and creator of the award-winning social enterprise STEMETs, which inspires the next generation of females into science, technology, engineering, and math. A recognized and respected thought leader in the tech space, in 2017, she was awarded an MBE for services to young women in STEM sectors. In 2020, she was voted the most influential woman in tech in the UK by Computer Weekly. She is currently president-elect of the British Science Association. So, fun fact about anne she is also a prodigy in every sense of the word. At age 11, she was the youngest girl to ever pass A-level computing, and she was just 20 years old when she received her master's degree in mathematics and computer science from the University of Oxford. So, on this episode, we talk about her journey as a child prodigy, why internships are important and how to get the most out of an internship, her organization STEMETs, and most importantly, her new book, which is out today, called She's in Control. And you can check out the show notes to learn more about the book and links to the purchase She's in Control. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you do, make sure to rate and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this episode today. Also want to note that this podcast episode is sponsored by the Black Professionals in Tech Network. EPTN started by connecting Black tech professionals to each other and creating a happening community that is focused on growth. Black Professionals in Tech Network has a summit coming up in Toronto, Canada called Be Future on October 19th through the 21st. The summit is attended by 20,000 plus Black professionals from all around the world, features 100 plus speakers and 60 plus corporate partners. And they're coming together in Toronto. And this is going to be a major global black tech community summit. So if you're interested in attending the summit, go to upcity.com and check out the agenda speakers and grab a ticket. That's also in the show notes. All right, let's jump into this episode. Now let's get it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. I am joined by another guest from over the pond. Anne-Marie, how are you today? I'm doing okay. This side of the pond is doing all right. I think everyone's doing the best they can. At least it's not 2020 again.
1: (laughs) I mean... (laughs) I read a tweet over the weekend, though, that was very incredibly dystopian. It was like, yeah, these are the best days, you know, like soon it's going to be, you know, store up however many months of food and stuff. I was like, oh, my goodness. It's one of those things like if only you knew, right, that those are the heydays, like would you have lived it slightly differently? So, yeah, we're all right. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and Anne-Marie, for my listeners who are not aware of who you are and the amazing things that you've done in your career, do
1: a brief introduction of yourself. Oh, brief introduction. Very brief. I'm Anne-Marie, a Mathedon. I love maths and tech and helping other people. I am CEO and co-founder of a nonprofit called STEMETS that works with girls and non-binary young people to encourage them into STEM and STEAM, which I know on that side of the pond, I almost don't need to explain, but STEM is science, technology, engineering, and maths, and STEAM is science, technology, engineering, arts, and maths. Alongside that, I am host of the Women Tech Charge podcast. As you know, I've just written a book called She's in Control, and I'm also a trustee at something called the Institute for the Future of Work. So lots of hats, basically. Yeah.
0: Yes, yes. Lots of hats. And we're going to touch on a majority of those in today's conversation. So excited to dive in deeper. In fact, I want to start with you getting into tech. So for my listeners who don't know, you have been a phenom in the tech industry. You started off at a young age. I'll let you tell your story and stop talking. How did you get into tech?
1: <laughs> this is a pop This is the short, the abridged version. So I grew up in East London. I have always wanted to know how things work. And I think there's lots of folks actually, who go into technology for the same reason where it's like, you know, how does the dishwasher work, right? It's not like they're, you know, scrubbing the dishes like I would, or even the washing machine, right? The way it works is not how I would clean them if I was going to do it by hand. And so there are lots of things around me at home. That I was like, oh my goodness, how does that work? Okay. And how does that work? And I think when you ask questions in the right environment, you get answers that might inspire you in certain ways, but also allow you to understand the world around you in a particular way. So for me. That was when my journey began into tech, where I have a really vivid memory, and I talk about this in the book, actually, of me taking apart our VCR player at home. And I have no idea. I mean, Dina, you don't look like maybe you remember VCR players. I don't know how many of the listeners remember VCR players. (laughs) But, you know, I was like, this black rectangular object goes into a bigger black rectangular object, and Simone and Pumba show up on a third black rectangular. And that was like a cuboid object, right? At that point, TVs were cubes. And so yeah one thing led to another and so i ended up having this wunderkind child prodigy type experience where i had accelerated learning which i think in the us is actually a lot more common than it is here in the uk but it meant that i ended up doing what we call gcse's which you'd normally do at 16. i did two at 10 and then a levels that you normally do at 18. I did then at 11, because you do GCSEs and then you do A-levels at the end of your secondary schooling here in the UK, so kind of end of high school. And so ended up going up to Oxford for university to do maths and computer science, which was the kind of the logical conclusion, right, of logically, how does that work? How do they connect together? You know, how do systems work? And then ended up finishing from Oxford with my master's aged 20.
0: What was that experience like? Because I'm sure there weren't a lot of people that looked like you and your surroundings, but too it's also a little bit intimidating
1: your kid not really not as much I mean for me I, I find it I find it really funny because I've never not done my childhood like that right so like it's hard for me to compare and contrast because also you know I'm not perceptive of the best of times let alone you know like a okay so that person did that at that point and here's what that must have meant for them day to day but I think for me it wasn't intimidating it was more just this is my pace this is what i was used to this is what i liked and i'd rather be doing this than i don't know anything else so i really enjoyed it i think i was also really fortunate in that i wasn't made to feel like other in a lot of the environments that i was going into and i think this is something when we think about prejudice when we think about racism when we think about privileges and not having privileges in particular spaces which you know when we talk about people's journeys and stories that's what we're trying to unpick Mm -hmm. i think for me it was really interesting where I often didn't notice i was the only one and often was really fortunate that i wasn't made to feel like the only one and so me being young black and female in those really technical really mathematical really elitist spaces wasn't a big deal it it wasn't something that hampered my experience to such an extent that now that's the only thing that i remember looking back i think it's an interesting one though that even if I was made to feel like other, often it was for different reasons. So okay. I think, you know, when people listen and they think about Oxford, right? There's certain things you imagine. At Oxford University, right? It's like Harry Potter, right? Is what I think people are imagining. And so you can imagine me being in that space. And yes, I'm black and young and female and from East London, which, you know, how is its own things that some people from this side of the pond will understand. But the time I most felt like the odd one out mm-hmm. was, bells so bell ringing church bells I'm sure you have this on that side of the pond you have churches and people ring bells and you know across the UK there's lots of churches that's how you know it's a city if it has a cathedral right and my professor that looked after us was like the senior tutor in charge of the bell ringing society at Oxford. Okay. Someone in the year ahead of me on the Maths and Computer Science course was a member of the bell ringing society at the University of Oxford. And then someone else in my year was also a member of the bell ringing society at the (laughs) University of Oxford. And so I don't know, they have these like terminology, they have this jargon, they have like bell ringers jokes and that would be the times when i'd be like huh one of these is not like the other and it's not for the reason that you think it's because i've never rung a- i mean till this day i've told this story so many times i've never rung a bell in my life i've heard bells being rung but it was like there's like weird quirky things i guess that you have rather than it being that you're being treated this way because you're a woman or because you're the only black person or because you're much younger than everyone else but i think that's something you have and take into life anyway right like there are lots of environments you're in where there'll be lots of people that are much older than you i have this for a lot of the boards that i sit on a lot of the events that I'm part of. I'm a lot younger than most people. And so I guess I just got a head start maybe on that from my child prodigy childhood.
0: (laughs) Okay. So yes, you probably got a head start, especially for the experiences that you are in now. So you go to Oxford, you graduate. What was your experience after graduation?
1: I had a really positive experience in my first job, my first role. So I had done internships had done, you know, Mm -hmm. spring week, shadowing, all kinds of those things while I was at university. And I'd done one actually just before I went up to university that was part of a scheme, again, that they were running for inner city kids. I ended up working in the technology department at an investment bank and up until that point obviously I didn't know what investment banks were I didn't even realize really that technology was like a full-time job I could genuinely just you know sit on the computer all day and play with these databases and these spreadsheets and I was paid from that internship as well and again that was the first time my bank account had gone to four figures because of what they paid me over those five weeks I was like oh my goodness and so I was like okay like what more like what else can I try before I buy almost and so I graduated with offers for me to then have join a grad scheme again at about But in the technology department, I think I had Mm -hmm. three offers by the time I left. And so was excited to come in. I actually went back to that company that I'd interned at age 16. And so that was great because it was almost like coming home, right? And so that definitely softened the blow of coming into industry, of you know, being in that grad scheme as well. So you've got a cohort. You know, there was one company I interned at that there were eight black women on that internship program in the technology department at that bank. And so for me coming in was great you know it was amazing I was being paid loads to sit on the computers all day I was being listened to I was being promoted and I actually had a really really positive experience in that grad scheme and then rolling off of that grad scheme in that technology company in a way that again I know lots of people don't have that necessarily right but I think that was that blow again was softened because I'd done the internships because I'd heard the work experience because I'd been on those schemes and it worked right that the aim was to soften the blow and widen the horizons and create that network and I had that network it had wider horizons I understood what I was coming into. And so again, I really, really enjoyed actually coming into the technology industry it was fantastic. I was a real adult now on the tube with everyone else going to my own desk, right? With my own extension. I remember getting my first business card printed and my dad loved it and everyone, you oh. know, everyone got that. It was like, this is Amri's direct line with the logo of the company and her full name and you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I really, I really, I really enjoyed it. And I want to elaborate on your internship experience. So were you doing the same internships every time? Or were you doing a variety of roles it was differing and I think you're right and that's why I called it try before you buy like there are so yeah. many things that I could have done and I was really clear that I didn't want to be a full-time software dev I was super mm-hmm. clear on that like as much as I love coding I knew mm-hmm. that doing that all day every day was not me I wanted to be able to talk to people I wanted to be able to translate problems into solutions so yeah there were lots mm-hmm. of things that I got to intern and do but then also there were lots of things i got to see while i was on those internships so i'd make it a point that you know i'd set up coffees with other people's managers or i'd get to talk to other teams and i think there's also that systems thinking of like okay how do all these different bits like i've heard all these team names, all these acronyms, all these departments, like how do they fit together? Why do they fit like that? Why is that in that department, not in that department? So I spent all that time doing that. And so, yeah, I I made sure that I went round and I was checking not just for role, but i was also checking for culture and i was checking for in this firm are they going to recognize that people have a life outside of work or are they going to all really excitedly tell us that they've been working at this company for 15 years and they haven't taken a single day of holiday which did also happen at other places and so i was looking at for all of all of those things knowing that eventually i knew i was wanting to do my own thing I didn't know what at that point yeah. but it was almost like auditioning right it's like okay on this internship here's how to do that here's what the senior leaders look like here's what they do here's what their days look like here's what they are like the days that when you do meet and greets as interns you get to ask questions all that kind of stuff and so I was doing my research really alongside all those internships
0: And I appreciate that you mentioned this because a lot of times people go into these internships and have these amazing opportunities, like you mentioned, to ask executives questions or to network and we don't utilize them. We literally just go to the internship. Like you said, we make a little money more than we've ever made. (laughs) And then we go back to school. So I think it's great to call out, hey, use these opportunities to build those relationships because that is an important part of tech relationship building, but also the part that you mentioned of they're also auditioning for you. Exactly. Like you don't have, to, you don't want to work in the department that only takes one day of holiday. So they're also auditioning for you. So ask all the questions.
1: Exactly. 100% ask the questions, use all the discounts that you get. Cause all, often that happens as well. Oh, you know, you flash exactly. your ID card and you know, there's, <laughs> you're allowed into this museum or whatever it might be, or you get this discount shopping at that place. So mm-hmm. use it all. But I think, yeah, you're right. Like it's such a short window. And so glean all the information that you can from all the people that you get in touch with. And, you know, like they know that, but they're also trying to roll out the red carpet for you. So make the most of it. Definitely.
0: Also want to go back and touch on. So you're mentioning talking to executives and we talk about it like it's so easy for people to just walk up there. I know people are introverted. I know people are extroverted as well. So it's easier for the extroverts, but for someone who wants to do something like that, they want to build those relationships. What tips or advice do you have, especially for people who are
1: on the quieter side? So I'd say start small and do it in a way that's comfortable for you. And it doesn't have to be that after the event, you go up and you talk to the exec. It could be that you drop a LinkedIn message or you tag them in a tweet, or if it's internal, you, you know, send a chat message or something along to them. So I think that would be my thing and also start with gratitude I think is always a really good thing to do so you start with thanks for answering that question or you know thanks actually I read something once that you said and that really helped me with this that the other and if you're really specific it also means that you know it's not just you being like oh my god you're a great person I only not talk to you because you're an exec in the network you could give me but it's like here's specifically what you said that was really useful here's why it was useful and I thank you for that I want to be able to then go into the next thing. Um, but as an introvert, you know, that you're really fortunate. I'm, people don't believe me, but I'm an introvert too. We're really fortunate in that, yeah, you can do these things in the quiet. It doesn't have to be on a microphone or out loud or from a stage or in the, the most high energy way. There are really kind of quiet, calm, careful ways for you to make connections and make links to people, but also be ready for no's. And I, and I think the more you do it and the more practice you get, the easier you're like, hey, actually yeah that's fine like makes sense actually from all that i know you do i can understand why you might not have capacity for this cool is there anyone else you suggest that maybe i should be talking to or i'd be connected to and i think people also find that as a softer no so practice makes progress on all of this stuff like practice 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 what's the way that works for you is it commenting on their things is it liking is it following and sometimes you don't even need to have a conversation with that person to get the support that you need.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sometimes they put out enough that actually you can read and you can listen and yeah. you can watch and you don't ever need to talk to Amory.
0: So how long were you in the corporate environment?
1: Ooh, about five years,
0: okay. five, six years. Yeah. And in your yeah. five, six year journey, what is the biggest lesson
1: that you've learned while navigating that space, especially as a black woman? Oh, it's a new lesson. It's, it's, it's the same lesson I continually learn. And and again, you know, as a black woman versus, I don't know, there wasn't a time I did it as a white woman or not as a woman. So I think for me, you know, I love questions like that. And I, under- I understand why. But I think the main thing is that people are messy. Ooh. And it's something that one of my bosses said to me. And it's true. I mean, it, it's something in the corporate world, I think almost even more so than other places, -hmm. People have a lot of things going on. And the corporate world, you're taught to hide it, right? You're taught to like assimilate to a particular norm. Everyone just has to be like that cog in the wheel. Mm -hmm. And actually, we're human beings. And as much as people want to be that cog in the wheel, sometimes things will happen and people are messy. And the way that one person responds to that situation outside will be completely different to the way another person responds to exactly the same situation outside. So a big thing I learned is like there's still people, even though we're cogs in a wheel, even though they're an exec. They're still a person, right? They still have thoughts and feelings and they're not gods. And so I think, yeah, the biggest thing I learned is that people are messy and, and it was something that I saw time and time again. And I, and you say as a black woman, some of it now I'm able to reflect back on and be like, like, wow, okay. In that meeting, in that offsite, when I went into the deep delves of this database that we work on all the time and I came up with a really elegant solution that a particular person in the room didn't want to believe was elegant or worked right until half an hour later when someone else is looking through the documentation is like yeah this flag that Amory said was there is that actually in there yeah we could use that we don't need to go and relabel all the content systematically or on a quarterly basis and batch update all these content and these tags you know you you have experiences like that where it's like yeah actually huh if someone else had come up with that solution he wouldn't have thought like that he was on a hidden camera show and yet because it came out of my mouth it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's either the young, it's the black, it's the female, or it's a combination of all of the above. Right. That, meant that you know, there was an allergic reaction So oh my goodness, as if she, you know what she said. And you won't know in the moment, mm-hmm. but sometimes it'll be afterwards. And I think even more so knowing in the moment, isn't really gonna change anything because I can't change that I'm black. I'm not gonna change that I'm female. I can't change my age. And so actually it's just about understanding that, hey, like, these are things I can't change. And it's more on that person. If my database elegant solution (laughs) is one that there's a tough pill to swallow, there's nothing I can do about that other than ensure that I'm in the right teams and I'm in the right spaces where I'm celebrated and I'm heard rather than simply being tolerated. And I think that's the thing. And again, people are messy. Like I'm not blaming him. There are reasons why as part of his upbringing, as part of his life perspective, he doesn't see this as a face that's to be trusted or believed on really technical decisions, but. Again, that's a him thing. That's not a me thing. And so that's one of the things I still have to this day. I still get to work with lots of different people and take up space in lots of different rooms. And sometimes it is like, are we going to take it from her? And it's like, well, I mean, this is, it's your time you're wasting, you know, <laughs> and whatever you're dealing with at home, I can't take that personally. It's Cause you're dealing with that. And so actually I'm just gonna, you know, focus my energy on the spaces that I am heard and I am valued
0: couple highlights that I have to go back and touch on. One, do not take it personally. I think a lot of times we think that it's something that we did in the workplace because it's a natural reaction to think it's something you did as opposed to, no, this is actually based on their behavior. And let me send your energy back to you because this is something you have to deal with. Exactly. I, but I also agree with what you mentioned in regards to the environment you're in. Go where you're celebrated. Go where you're appreciated. There's too many spaces out here to be stuck in a toxic, suffocating environment. But there are a ton of great places where you'll be a good fit. And that also goes back to we're interviewing these companies just like they're
1: interviewing us. Mm -hmm. So make sure that you're going somewhere that's a good fit for you. This is it. And, And we say that. I mean, we say that not to say it's easy and I think it is definitely something that I have as part of this this kind of child prodigy and all these other privileges that I am able to detach myself from what's going on and say that sounds like a you problem but I think it is something that if you're able to learn to practice to coach to have the mentors have the network around you so you can see it's not you personally that is being treated like that but this is bigger than you this is above you this is not something that's in your control and that will do a lot to maintain your sanity and mean that you can be happy and content in tech career versus feeling not great right which does happen to a a lot of people get caught up in the interactions and you get weighed down with feeling that it's personal where really if you are able to focus on it, it is wider it is broader and compare notes with other people then you can see that actually it's not about anything that I've said or done it's something wider and then you can make an informed decision about the environments that you do want to be in and
0: in regards to you mentioned going to other people and seeking advice too do you feel like in the corporate space you had a support team at work or was your support team
1: mostly external it was both it was internal and it was external. And it's something I've always super conscious of, especially on the internships, actually. It was something I definitely learned that you have your internal crew, your internal network, your internal people who, you know, all of them will be people in your team or your department. Like I said, you, you'd ask certain execs questions and if they said something, you know, that sounded in a particular way. It'd be like, okay, cool. They could say no, but actually, what is what am I got to lose by going up and say, actually, I was the person that asked this question. Here's why I asked it. Actually, from what you said, that's something I've been thinking or something I find interesting. Can we go for a coffee or can we be connected? or is it okay if I run such and such by you because here's why I asked the question so I think I definitely did that internally and some of those connections I still have today and it's not people I talk to all the time but you know you'll see each other on LinkedIn or you bump into each other events or you know in the street and it's like oh my goodness Simon you know how are you or Gary how is all of that so I definitely had internal but I think you also need to have external because again there are things that you'll then realize if everyone internally is saying one thing And no one externally is saying another thing, (laughs) is saying the same thing. Then you can be like, hmm, this is a very, this company scenario. And do I need to be wrapped up in it? Or actually, am I going to go somewhere else and play by a different set of rules? And so I think it's really important to have both. I talk about this a lot in the book, actually, about finding the tech rooms you're going to engage with. But I think the other thing that's really important is, it's those kind of weak ties, right? Whether you run or you're a parent, or whatever it is you do, there will be internal networks. And so it's about building them along different lines, not just around the fact that you're in this particular part of tech, right? So if you're a database admin, or if you're a QA tester, or whatever it is, yes, you can join that community, but also find the other things about you, because it's that areas of overlap and it's, those ready-made communities and ready-made networks that makes all of this 10 times easier because then you dip into what's already there rather than having to do that heavy lifting of slowly collating a network or board of directors. So it's, I'm constantly doing it in different spaces and you've got online networks, you've got offline networks. Mm -hmm. So tap into all of them. What's the one that's going to be the easiest for you to maintain, for you to contribute to, but also for you to receive from? And again, that's trying and error, like like anything to do with human beings. You know, there'll be some spaces that look like they're ready-made and aren't and don't work for you. And there'll be other places that might have been tangential that end up being where you get the most value from.
0: And I think a lot of times we think that we're the only ones until we go into that external community and we see this is happening in a lot of places, even though sometimes we don't want to talk about it. So it's always great. And I love the advice that you gave in regards to community about giving as well as receiving, because I think we forget that sometimes. Technology is transforming faster than ever. Jumping on the action. Whether you're breaking into tech, looking for a new career, or just want to be seen, be all those things and more at be Future 2022. Join the Black Professionals in Tech Network on October 19th through the 21st in Toronto, Ontario to network with over 20,000 Black tech professionals worldwide and hear over 100 incredible speakers. Come virtually and enjoy all of the tech talks or go VIP in person with an after party concert by Rick Ross. Go to upcity.com and hit the get pass button so you can join the party. Now, let's get back to the episode. I want to segue because you've mentioned it a couple times and it's about time to talk about your book. Hey! Oh, yeah! <laughs> So, Amory, tell my listeners about the book. What is in the book? Give us all the details.
1: I'll give you all the juicy deets. So the book is a guide. It's a guide for anyone who's non-technical, who wants to, who wants to take back control. I mean, that, that's it. I mean, I know it's a very politically charged statement to say, especially in, in our country and I guess across that side of the pond. But, you know, it's how women can take back tech. If we go back far enough and not even that far, women have been... In tech, it was seen as a very clerical thing with the punch cards, with the telephone exchange, with even what the women in hidden figures were doing. A lot of it was seen as women's work. And with the power that came with that and the realization of the economic power that was when it was then wrestled back by the men and this is something that's way too important to leave to them so the book is a guide for anyone who doesn't consider themselves technical who's maybe afraid of the technology a little bit who was told that you know you're rubbish at math and this is not something you can do it's for everyone that has felt like this is not their domain and it's a guidebook to getting back some of that technical control you know building some of that digital literacy getting some of that technical agency In a world that's so technical now, all these decisions are being made. It's where you've got the higher paid roles. Even if you're not in a technical role, technology is changing your role. And there's this whole thing of the robots are gonna come and take all our jobs anyway. So this is a book about how do we not necessarily stop that happening, but how do we make sure we're doing it in a way that makes sense and doing it in a way that all of us have agency so it doesn't happen to us, but it's happening maybe for us, but at least with us. And I think that my kind of analogy for this, for anyone that's seen hidden figures is there's that point in the film, they're all computers before computers came in and did the job. And we see when she goes to the library, right? And there's a protest happening outside the library. She's gone to pick up this Fortran book and she's reading Fortran. She's understanding this coding language. She gets to work and she shows the lady, she's like, ladies, this is the future. This is where, what we're going to do next. And then they see the computers being wheeled into the building. And it's not the end of their jobs. It's the beginning of a new chapter for their jobs. And that's what I'm hoping with this book. So half of it is a bit of the history, and really the tech history, the rich tech history that we have. And then the second half is, what do you then do? Like, how do you get into these technical rooms? How do you explore what part of tech works for you? How do you even know what bitcoin is or why nfts work or you know whatever the next thing is and i've got the perspectives of lots of different women lots of different people also peppered throughout the book so you can see it's not just you have to be a child prodigy that's always loved taking things apart you can come at it as a trained dancer you can come at it as an archaeologist you can come at it as someone who did study and did it at the right age not the early age you know there's, there's lots of different avenues and pathways in so that's what the book is about it's a real it's a positive and practical guide to using tech to better women's lives for the women and for those around them.
0: So we needed this guide about probably 10, 15 years <laughs> ago when I was in college, now that I've <laughs> aged myself. But I am so excited to read this. I'm so excited to have a guide because everyone has always mentioned, why don't we have a guide for this? Or just one place where we can find this information. And now you've gone and created it. And I want to ask, what was your motivation? What inspired you to create it?
1: Um, a couple of different things. I think the biggest one is, and we haven't spoken about it at all, actually. I run this nonprofit profit stemets. Yes. And we work with the girls, we work with young non-binary people from five up to twenty-five. I also then get to go out in the world. I'm on TV, I'm in magazines, I'm on stages, I'm at companies, I get to talk to a lot of people and a lot of women. And everyone's like, Oh, I wish I was younger, I wish I could come to Stemets events. I wish, I wish, I wish. And everyone says this, and I'm like, you know, I only set up stemets because when I was starting, all of the spaces had late night. There was alcohol there, it was for adults only, and there was no spaces for the girls to come and explore outside of what was happening at school. So for me, this is my kind of, look, you're too old for Stamets, but never fear. She's in control is here. (laughs) Read (laughs) this, follow along, go to those events. You're an adult, you know, there are things that you can do that young people I work with cannot do, cannot access. And so this is my love letter. Like I said, this is my, we're going to get on it. This is my guide for those women and people who think it's too late. And it never is. I say this all the time, unless, until you're dead, it's never too late to understand these things because you're living in this world. Like it's an agency that you get the same way as, you know, learning English means that you can order your own food, make your own choices, get around, and you can read the signs in the city that you're in, as long as English is the language. It's the same thing of getting this technical literacy means that, you know, you're not sending your DNA off to a company who you don't know what they're going to do it with, because you've been able to ask the right questions as you get started, right? It means that when a new system comes in at work, you're able to understand how the system works, how it fits with what you're doing, so that even if it does remove your job, there's a, you know what the next job is going to be, or the alternative job is going to be. And this isn't just for people in the tech industry. This is for any that's alive now in this technical world so that's that's the aim that's the hope that's the intention that's the motivation and i'd love for us to get to a point where society does operate that way that in the same way that everyone has an opinion on immigration even if they're (laughs) not an immigration lawyer It would be great for people to have informed, slightly, slightly more informed decisions on technology. So when these changes are coming in, you can be like, no, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound like that's a problem that technology can solve, could solve without it making things worse than they already are. And so actually this isn't something we're going to support, which we don't have enough lawmakers that understand. We don't have enough leaders that understand. We don't have enough teachers, parents, people Mm. of society that understand this. And it's really, really important. So that's my motivation.
0: Let's go into more detail. What is STEMETS? And then also, how can people participate or possibly volunteer
1: with STEMETS? Sure. So STEMETS is a nonprofit that engages, informs, and connects the next generation of women and non-binary people to STEM and STEAM. So the science, technology, engineering, maths, science, technology, engineering, arts, and maths, by showing them a a broad diversity of role models. So folks can join in as volunteers. We have the STEMET showcase that we do three times a year. so one on Ada Lovelace Day, one on International Day of Women and Girls in Science, and then the other one on International Women in Engineering Day. So if you visit our website or search for STEMET showcase, there'll be one that you can watch the previous one, or you can sign up and join us for the next one. And there we explain it all, how to be a volunteer, how to donate, what to give, you know, to spread the word, follow us on all the socials, you know, all of those are really, really useful things to be able to do. But it it is mentoring, it is panel sessions, it is speed networking, it is just engaging with the next generation as many different times as possible, so they can see all the different forms of success, and all the different forms of role modeling. It doesn't just have to be, you can be Anne-Marie, and then that's it. It's like you can, you can be Dina, right? And, And also, Before, pre-Dina, you can also be pre-Dina and also end up in this space. So that's what STEMETS is all about. It's free, it's fun, and as much as possible, we have food at what we're doing because, you know, free food pulls the masses. You got to meet that part of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And yeah, the website is the best place. The social media as well, all of it is the best place to head in and find where where you might fit in with that whole piece of work.
0: What is the website and where
1: can they find you on social media? So STEMETS.org, which is STEM as in S-T-E-M, and then ETS as in suffragettes but plural. So maybe we could do it that way. Or if you search for me, I'm I'm sure there'll be bits in the show notes as well. I feel like tech
0: is such a scary world for a lot of people. So I love mm-hmm. that you put this book out and that you have resources that people can utilize in order to learn more about tech. And I hope that a lot of people pick up your book and they read it and they understand why it's important just to know. And that goes back to the curiosity piece Exactly. Like you said, when you were younger, you were curious how things worked. So what did you do? You took things apart. You put them back together. Tried. You
1: know- <laughs> <laughs> My dad didn't kill me. He, he should have killed me really for doing that. But anyway.
0: <laughs> no, but at least you were trying something and you were curious about it. I think we've lost a little bit of our curiosity along the way of actually understanding how things operate and why things work. And that makes such a difference, especially in tech. As tech is evolving every second what was good yesterday might not even work today so we need to stay curious
1: because in the future it's not going anywhere exactly and it's constantly changing i think it's a good point you make there it's not done Right, the, re- the rest is still unwritten, and that's kind of one of the subheadings I definitely have. And so, it's actually not too late for you to bring whatever your perspective is, whatever your experiences are, to refine it because it's not locked in. Like this is the thing, like you say, there's a new version of Facebook out every two weeks, and most of the tech is like that. It's incredibly iterative. So if you don't didn't get in, in the last two weeks, you can get in the next two weeks, right? And you know, make that edit and make that update, and it's it's still open. A lot of it is still open for you to have influence over.
0: And now I do want to touch on for the black men in tech as well. Is this a book that would be helpful for them? Should they check it out too?
1: I mean, of course, why not? I might, why would my publisher want me to limit the audience? I mean, sure, <laughs> they, they can definitely listen. I think it's an interesting one though where, you know, and I have this with Stamets a lot, that a lot of that history that we tell, Mm-hmm. A lot of the stories that I've heard, whether it's Gladys West, who I'm sure you've like, you know, spoken about on the podcast or even, you know, the ladies in hidden figures, I think it's enriching for everybody to see that. Like the problem is the social norm. We don't exist. Me and you don't exist. If you ask most people in the street to name a technologist or whatever, if you showed them the picture of, of me or of you and be like, you know, what does this woman do? No one says technology. I, I was on a, a big show in the UK called countdown, which is like a British institution. It's been going for, I think something like more than like 30 years or whatever, longest running game show on the planet on TV and they have a maths section and I was the arithmetician and the backlash that was out there because people had never seen a black woman doing maths was it, you know, was understandable and expected because you know I wasn't born yesterday. But also it was crazy that you know you've never seen a, a black woman do maths. You've seen a woman do maths because it's always been a woman doing arithmetician on that show. But you've never seen a black woman in that space. And the number of people that oh my good, you know, they were up in arms. And so I think it is important for men of any kind to be able to mm-hmm. see this and be like actually when I'm interviewing someone. Or when we're making decisions about positions of responsibility, when we're making jokes in our space, when we're making assumptions about our users, when we're setting our technical priorities and the ways that we're making our technical decisions, they need to have that we exist. Right. And that we have some sort of agency and that we know what we're talking about on particular things and have examples to point to, to say, it's not just your sister, but historically there were people and in the next generation, there were people, I think it's really important for everyone to get this message and to understand it because we all have a role to play. It isn't necessarily just about the women having a guide, but it's about the system changing. It's about the assumptions we have about who is technical and what people have to contribute to those technical decisions, not being purely based on computer science grades. So that would be my message to men is that actually, you know, the same way that as a black man, some parts of your experience and your perspective are missing in a lot of the rooms you step into, think also about the black women. Think also about the men with disabilities. Think also about lots of different types of people who aren't being reflected that you have particular agency, you have a particular privilege, and how are you using that to then open up and ensure that we're building better tech? Because at the end of the day, that's what this is about, like building tech that improves things. Mm-hmm. not tech that just maintains the status quo, or what we actually see, which is tech that solves one problem and creates 10 in its place. And that's super important. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's, that's what I want to be proud of as a technologist. That's what our legacy, I want our legacy to be, that we solved the problems. We didn't just create a whole load.
0: Yes, yes. And I want to go back and touch on, as you mentioned, being on Countdown. Mm -hmm. and the backlash (laughs) and then also thinking about if let's just say they took our pictures on the street they would never say that we work in tech do you feel like the representation within tech is not getting better oh that's a
1: good question i feel like it's getting better but it's glacially getting better Mm -hmm. it's it's not it's not fast enough i feel like it is it is getting better and i think there's lots of progress that is being made Mm -hmm. but it's not fast enough because it's not getting better at the rate of technical progression. So if you think about how quickly tech changes and how quickly things are adopted and are rolled out and the scale at which they're rolled out, Mm -hmm. we haven't had the same kind of adaptation and scale of rollout of the right kind of representation in tech. And we see this again and again and again and again and again. And there's all kinds of people that point out how You know, there are all kinds of ridiculous decisions that are being made or new technological problems that are being solved that actually rooted in phrenology or rooted in racism or rooted in things that actually, if you had the right people in those rooms, working on those cutting edge things or in leadership positions higher up above where that cutting edge tech is supposedly being done, the innovation would be truly groundbreaking. Whereas at the moment, it's kind of just more of the same and more of making things worse for particular people. And so it's, it's just, it's not fast enough. But we're we're getting there. I'm still optimistic. I work with the next generation as well, and I can see already that their definition of success is different from even my generation. And I, you know, I wouldn't say I'm I'm old. I've called myself young for this whole interview, but you know, I can see that their de- the, the 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 young the youngest the youths' <laughs> definition of success is differing quite wildly from even my definition of success. And so I think the time is coming, but. We don't have to wait. Like, everything shouldn't be on them. Why, why can't we give them something that's worthy of inheritance rather than, you know, a, as you guys would say, a dumpster fire of poor decisions, which at the moment is kind of what it looks like a little bit.
0: I am curious how the youth are defining success. What are you seeing versus how we define
1: success? It's very heartening. I think even to the point that you were just making about the representation, I mean, it's, it's having people like you in the team, but it's also having people like you considered as part of what is being built and what's being created, Mm -hmm. which I think with the next generation, I think there is definitely a lot more of kind of that challenging of those norms and opening up of those perspectives, but, but their definition of success, I think where in the olden days, and I say that, you know, when I started, it was, you know, how much money can you make and what's the status that you will get to Mm -hmm. and the title. I think with the newer generation, you know, there's this whole thing of soft life. I mean, there's, there's that, that we're grappling with, but there's also this side of, I also want to know how long am I working? I want to know what your values are and what you're doing around the environment and what you're doing around people. And actually if you don't have those people in your team, where are they in your network or where are they in your supply chain or where are they in your, your feedback loops? Where are they in your consideration? Where are you having an intersectional approach? Where are you having something that considers those who are from historically marginalized and excluded communities? They're asking these questions up front and they're very much like, look, like you either got it or you don't. And if you don't, I'm just going to build my own. And, and I've seen that so many times where we run mentoring programs, we have panel events, we have hackathons, we have all kinds of opportunities for them to come and connect with industry. And, you know, some of our young people will start a job and maybe not necessarily with a partner and they'll call me up and they'll be like, Hammery, so I quit because they did this, that, the other, da da da." But actually that's not why I'm calling you. I've started this new business up and we've got the funding X, Y, and Z. And here's the little nuance, the little thing that I'm trying to figure out. And I remember you were doing that Stemet. So how do you think I should do it here? And I'm like, wait a minute, you quit? <laughs> why don't we rewind they're like yeah 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 they weren't listening and they said this about women and actually I was like no this isn't the right place I'm just gonna build it myself and that's genuinely you know what they're doing yeah but the other thing we're seeing is you know I had to I still have to justify I mean I don't but there's certain people who still don't understand why I run cements and why I do what I do they're like oh if you're so technical so great you know you should be prime minister you should be running this you should be top entrepreneur that you should be blah 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 blah, blah. and I'm always like why is that the only thing that someone who's smart can do like there are lots of other wow. things you could be doing like why is it not valuable for me to be working with the next generation or me to be bringing more people in and with the next generation they're all thinking on the way up how do i bring other people with me mm, interesting how do i share my my passion for where chemistry mi- meets biology where yeah. do i share my passion for python who am i gonna make sure that they can also appreciate these math jokes that i'm making and yeah. that's something that all of them ha- are having they're like yeah to me that's part of what successful means it's Yes, having the role and having gainful employment, but it's also having brought people along. It's also having shared my skills. It's also having tech for good and all of these other things for them are part of success where if they make the money and nothing else, it's not really what they're aiming for. It's not really what they're going for. For them, that's not what success looks like. Just making a whole load of money and selling a whole load of people, a whole load of cake. It's not really what they're after. It's like, okay, cool. Who have I taught to make the cake? Who have I brought along? What problems have I solved with the cake that I'm making? And so for them, there's a complete shift. And I think there might be something about climate change and all those other things they've grown up with where they're much more aware of the problems. And so why have money on a planet that's on fire? But I think there's a lot more that they've been able to kind of engage with and a lot more values that they're able to say, this tech scene needs to match up with the values that I have. And if it doesn't, I'm going to use the tech in the way that works for my values. I'm actually going to opt out. And they do have the agency to do that. It's the nature of the tools. It's the nature of the way that the web was working, where they can decide to opt out of particular things. And that's what I'm seeing them doing. So it's really heartening. I think it's a warning. I give quite a lot to tech companies.
0: Mm-hmm. That if
1: you don't sort this out, the next generation, A, aren't going to work here. And B, they're going to create the thing that does. And they're going to Kodak you out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So there's that. But yeah, I mean, their definition of success is so is so wildly different. The things that they're working on, the things that they want to do. And this isn't just as young people. This is as young adults. This is as people entering the industry who are asking for more and opting out of that levels not being met.
0: Good. We need to ask for more. It's about time. I think it is empowering to hear and see that this generation is more focused on the community versus I feel like in the last couple of years, I've seen a lot of growth in the individualistic kind of thinking. So to hear that the youth are thinking from a group community mentality is so heartwarming. And this is how we're supposed to be.
1: We're supposed to be a community and help each other my favorite part of everything i do i wear all these i wear so many different hats i mean this is the the most exciting part is always seeing what's coming next Mm -hmm. and being able to give those people the platforms that we can bring this change about quicker because i think that's the other thing that you i'm sure you've touched on across the podcast but having those right formative experiences those things that you do i know not everyone is young and you really do get a, a your own shaping of the world like your own grip on the world in those first couple of years and so having those opportunities and say okay cool what you're doing is of value and there's the platform we can give you to make that happen mm-hmm. means that further down further down the line they're less likely to you know come up against some of the issues that have kept women out of this space for so long because they've had that formative experience and no one can tell them no one can make them feel like it's a them problem right they're like i've been doing this since so you know i I don't know what kind of tech company you guys are running (laughs) but when i was young this is what we're doing and so actually i know that it's possible for that to uh, be a thing i know that even though that's your norm that's not the norm or we don't have to live in the norm and so that's the best bit of best bit of my job best bit of what i'm doing constantly is engaging with those younger entrepreneurs with those younger technologists with the future even non-technologists seeing how they're applying technology and using technology and using the tools. And it's just incredible to be able to get them in front of these institutions, in front of these leaders, so they can understand. You ought to be a lot, a lot more long-term in your approach to all the things that you're doing at the moment. Yes.
0: And Anne-Marie, we've talked a lot about the different hats that you've worn. And to wrap up today's conversation, for people who are looking to buy
1: the book, is that available worldwide? I believe so. Yeah. If you search for She's in Control, head to she'sincontrol.com. And we've got the pre-order links. It's out on the 8th of September. So you should be able to, if it's on Amazon, on Water, Waterstones, Smiths, all those kinds of places. So it's an, on all good outlets as well. And you can have a, have a purchase and buy a copy for yourself and buy one for a friend who has been teetering, you know, because we, we all know those people who are kind of, you know, mm-hmm. you see the potential in them, they don't see it. Yeah. And so yeah, this could be a gift you get them for maybe Christmas or something.
0: And in your book, you're giving people advice about being in tech. So I actually want to end our conversation with what is the greatest piece of advice
1: someone gave you? Seek forgiveness, not permission. And this actually came from Grace Hopper. And I think it's Mm -hmm. one of those ones where I think we have this, that idea of asking for permission or being like, is this okay? I think Mm -hmm. a lot of the time, if you're trying something new, as long as it's not illegal or hurting someone, then actually Mm -hmm. trying it that first time, and seeking forgiveness when it doesn't go right. Like if you, if you've been conscientious enough to want to ask permission, you're probably not going to set something on fire. And so actually getting going with something, you can always surprise yourself at how real it becomes, how, how the scope of where it goes. I'm sure you have this with the podcast, right? You got going and actually because it was a real thing that people could actually tune into or they could record or whatever, you're like, Oh my goodness. You know, it's being listened to in this country or that person's using it on that course or all those kinds of things. But it's, if you'd have asked permission, if you'd have been like, is it okay? If we, you know, make it available to those people, is it okay? Actually, if we say it's black only, is it okay? You know, if you start asking that, is it okay? You get in the way and actually it's better for you to say, Hey, I did it. Here's why I did it. Here's why I thought it was going to work. And actually if it's blown up in a particular way, I hold my hands up, I seek forgiveness and you know, you, you go from that and more times than not, you don't even need the permission and you won't need to ask for the forgiveness. And when people tell you, no, normally it's because it's not within their realm of possibility, not because it's not in the wider realm of possibility. And so, yeah, like it's removing that one barrier and there's lots of things that I've done where it's like, Hey. I could ask, but actually I'm gonna get it done and let's see, let's ride, ride this roller coaster. Let's see where this goes <laughs> and it's paid off. Here I am talking to you, so it's definitely paid off.
0: <laughs> and then what is the best piece of advice that you have for any of the listeners
1: listening today? Find your tribe, and we touched on it earlier. I think having that network of people and it's ne- having those networks, even I should say, plural of people that you can learn with, that you can commiserate with, that you can celebrate with, it makes all of this so much easier. And you even said it yourself earlier, you know, sometimes you feel like you're the only Yes, and you're not, you're really not. You're really not. I mean, this is why I talk about the history so much. You're not the only in the history of womankind. (laughs) You won't be the only now. And you might be the only in this room right now, but there are other people that were in this room. There's other people that will be in this room. There are other people that are in similar rooms at exactly the same time, going through exactly the same things. And there's a, there's a sense of relief. There's a lightness. There's a, power in numbers that comes from being connected to be like, Oh my goodness. He, he really he also didn't believe you on databases. Okay. So, you know, so that awful evening I had that time, I felt this way. Duh, duh, duh. If I knew I wouldn't have carried that. And that's something that's really powerful. The deeper you go into tech, the more you go into this industry, and let's be honest, any industry, the more you come up against those things and being able to compare notes. And have that tribe to learn along with, have that tribe to experiment with, yeah. the better it is for you. So that's that's definitely my advice I'd like to pass on to folks. And and like, like we said, the podcast is the tribe. We're all part of your tribe as you're listening along, right? And you're comparing notes with your database that you also have a solution for that Felix didn't want to hear from you on. So there we have it.
0: And Anne-Marie, anything that we haven't mentioned that you want to share with the audience, I'm giving you the open floor for any final words.
1: Oh, my goodness. Final words. Have fun with it. I mean that's the only other thing that we don't talk about. We talk a lot about tech being like harder, faster, bigger, stronger. Mm -hmm. And really, it's about solving problems. So have fun solving problems. I think we forget about we forget that too much. And yeah, it's nice to have more money and it's nice to do things quicker. But it's also nice to it's really satisfying to create a solution and solve a problem and see that exist outside of yourself. So yeah, have fun with it. Have fun with the exploration and get curious. And read she's in control. Let's let's get her in control.
0: Yes. Yes. Let's spread the movement. We're going to get her in control. Anne-Marie, thank you so much for joining today. Appreciate you telling your story and I will make sure that everyone grabs your new book. She's in control. That will be out on September 8th. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to black tech unplugged. I'm Dina McKay and you can find the show on all social media platforms under black tech unplugged. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this episode And if you have a few extra minutes, make sure to leave a five-star review too. It will help me out a lot and help other people find the podcast. Until next time.